This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts. Brent and Chase Woolsey. Please call in at 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Chase, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Good to be here. Good to be here as well. And yes, so many things to talk about this morning. We got, uh, and I got to apologize for last week. I screwed up last week with our phone screener that actually people on Facebook and Instagram can see. I pulled the phone screener up so I could only see calls four through five and had all these people waiting on lines one, two, and three, and I wasn't seeing them. So I apologize for that. We got it set up right today, so we're good to go. So when they call in, I will see their numbers. We will bring them on air. And we do have some emails as well that uh, people send. Because if you don't want to come on air and say, oh, I don't want to mess up or so forth, you can always go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting 2000 Dot com and send us a message there. Uh, we'll try to get that on air as well for you. All right, so Chase, let's talk about retail sales because surprise, surprise, they remain strong. Uh, following a positive revision to the month of June, retail sales climbed 8.4% compared to May, and July saw retail sales increase 1.2% month over month, and this marked the straight the third straight month of advances led by July sales being 2.7% higher than last year. I mean, this is incredible news. Yeah, I mean, I I really think the big thing here is you talked about 1.2% gain month over month. And it's always funny. The, the headline number that comes out for retail sales is always month over month. But I always think the year over year is just so much more important because you're comparing a like time to a like time. And sometimes you've got to dig through the report to find that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very strong, 2.7% growth compared to July 2019. I, I don't think we were in the middle of a pandemic in 2019, <laughs> were we? No, and actually last year was very strong. And, it, and, and people keep saying, oh, things are going to slow down. And, and they may. We don't have a stimulus package yet because we do have, you know, they're, they're miles apart, I guess we'll say, on the stimulus package. So that $600 a week is going to slow down. Uh, it's going to be gone. Could slow down retail sales. But let's look at where we've been so far because, again, you're right. Year over year, retail sales – they did extremely well. Maybe that's why the market's doing so well. Could be. And I, I mean, the, the other thing I looked at that I was quite astonished by is we went back into lockdown here in California. When was it? It was. I think it was uh, first of July, was it? Because yeah, it was sometime yeah. in July, I guess yeah. is the point I'm trying to make. And if you actually look at bars and restaurants, sales at those places were up 5% in the month of July. That's compared to June. Right. But that's still quite amazing to me that you closed down indoor dining and these restaurants and bars were able to still have 5% growth compared to June. I, I was pretty blown away by that. And people, I guess, are very supportive of these these restaurants then to go out and try and help them and you know get them on their feet. And what's going to be amazing to see is the third quarter GDP, because I think this is going to reflect uh, you know, that some positive improvement there because we had a terrible one in uh, the Q2. But the third quarter one, I think, is not going to look too bad. And it's amazing because 
you know, we're going to restaurants tonight. I've been out at the restaurants. They are actually serving outside. And I, I talked to, I'll give him a plug here, Tom Ham's Lighthouse. Uh, they're booked for the next three weeks on their Sunday brunch. You cannot get in there because they're booked because so many people <laughs> want to go out to ha- to eat. And and if our, I don't get political, but if our silly governor would just realize that, hey, let's open the restaurants inside as well, uh, that'd be a, a big boom because California's a big state here in the nation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So speaking of small businesses, uh, many small business owners, they're just amazing because during this pandemic, as they've been able to adapt to difficult circumstances, there was more positive news for the economies of recent survey from CNBC and SurveyMonkey. By the way, who's SurveyMonkey? I never heard of it. It's a survey company. Yeah, all, all of a sudden I start seeing SurveyMonkey all the time. But they did interview uh, 2,040 small business owners and show that 64% of the respondents are confident they can survive over a year under the current conditions. Not saying if conditions get better, but under the current conditions, a year. That's 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 huge. Oh, I, I mean, this has been a once-in-a-lifetime type event. I mean, gosh, we haven't seen anything like this. I'm not comparing it to the 1918 Spanish flu, but, you know, something that was this widespread that, you know, really impacted the lives of people. I mean, we're not going to see this again, in my opinion. In my lifetime, even you know, <laughs> and you're younger than me, so yeah. that's pretty good. <laughs> but I mean, it is it is quite astonishing that these businesses have been able to kind of figure out how to get through this, and and that's one thing we always tell people is business owners are, are just for the most part quite amazing because they learn how to adapt. It's not oh I can't do anything here. They're, they're going to adapt. Oh this is what happened. Okay, how can I improve this and how can I get through this? And a lot of people don't realize that business owners. Their whole livelihood, like restaurant owners, their whole investment is in that restaurant. If they were to go out of business, they'd have to restart at 50 years old because that's all that they had. Yep. And they know that they need to make these changes. And and that's just one thing that has just amazed me during this is the restaurants. Okay, so you're closing us down. What can we do to adapt? Okay, so I might have to build a patio. I might have to, you know, put, uh, you know, some type of covering outside so people aren't in the sun all the time. Right. You know, I, I went to Yanni's uh, over in Scripps Ranch, and they have this nice little garden that's occluded, and you know, they have all this outdoor dining. I mean, it, it's just it's 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 amazing what what people have been able to do. Yeah, and, and actually, even tonight uh, we're going to uh, the winery in UTC, and that's in the mall, and they have like tables and everything outside. I mean, it just shows you people say, "Oh, small businesses going to be folding." The ones that can't, you know, adapt and innovate, they are going to have problems. And actually, uh, compare the number that I just gave you there. That compares to 34 uh, percent respondents when they were asked the same question in April. The future was bright for 46 percent of small business owners. They indicated that they expect their revenue to increase over the next 12 months. I mean, things just keep getting, you know, better and better for people. And, you know, Chase, people in general and business owners – you know, once we're going through it, and what's really scary and fearful when you're first going into it, because the unknown scares you. Now we know what we have to deal with. You start working with it, and you will figure out ways as a business owner to make things work. And again, if you can't, and there's some business owners, and, and actually times like this, this is when you're weak business owners or people that shouldn't be in business, they're not going to survive because they don't understand how to run a business. But your strong ones will not just survive, they will thrive. Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong, there are some business owners, in my opinion, that are being wrongfully punished. Like, 
hairdressers, they can't do anything. So, you know, there, there, there's some that are like, um, you know, I know there's a gentleman, I, that I believe you might listen to the show, but I see him on Facebook. He he does something with, you know, uh, boxes at sports events and stuff. Well, I, there's nothing he can do. I, I'm yeah, sorry. That, that doesn't make you a bad business owner. There's just, there's some people that did get the short end of the stick here, but there are a lot of business owners that have been able to adapt. And I, I read in this article, it was just amazing, this, this lady, she was an event planner. Well, event planners, gosh, you can't have yeah, events can't right have now. Events, yeah. So she pivoted and said, well, people still want to celebrate their birthdays and still want to celebrate you know, engagements and, and other types of milestone events. So she pivoted and said, okay, I'll do quarantine events. There you go. And she's she's not making the same money she was before this, but she's getting through it. Right, right. And, and that's what you have to do. You have to say how. And I've always talked about when people say, well, I want to start a business and so forth. I say, look for a void that needs to be filled. And actually, she came up with that void to where people still want to celebrate and have something good. But we'll have what you call them quarantine parties is what you called them. Is that what you call them? Yeah, quarantine yeah. parties. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it, it, again, there, there is ways to do it. And again, we are seeing businesses go. And I keep forgetting to check. Please remind me next week. I want to check the money supply, M1, M2. It's another thing I've not talked about in about a month because I, I, I know last time it was like $25 trillion in liquid money sitting there. There are some positive things out there that are in the economy that's going on that people are not looking at because they want to focus on, oh, my gosh, the cases are up, the cases are up. And, you know, it is funny. I don't want to get too much on this, but the deaths are not climbing at the same rate that, that cases are. I, I, you know, I mean, it, I don't want to say still at like 160,000, but it seems like we were at 130,000 two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was going to pivot back to small business sure. just because we're not a health talk show. Either, I know, but, we're not. Uh, you know, I, I was going to say, we're, while we're not a small business talk show, the reason it's so important to talk about small business is they are just such a large employer. And if you wipe out small business, gosh, our economy would go in the tank. So that, that's why we want to talk about this today. Uh, and also, too, just, just a good plug, you know, support your local small businesses because here in San Diego, you need to keep the economy going. And if we support all large players, a lot of the small businesses are going to struggle. So support your local businesses. Yeah. Kind of one, one plug for them. Check your local businesses before you go to Amazon, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Uh, also, to another thing, not just on the small businesses, but on uh, I know I just love this report called the JOLTS, Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey. Uh, those that say there's no job out there, pay attention here. In the month of June, job openings increased 4.1% to just shy of 5.9 million openings. And also important was the quit rate. The quit rate is something that is really shows strength in an economy. Yeah, I mean, this rose 531,000, and it stood at 1.9%, which was the best level since COVID-19 hit the labor market. And the reason quits are so important is if jobs are not plentiful, who in their right mind is going to quit their job? Most of the time, people <laughs> quit because they find new opportunities. And there's going to be some people, maybe they quit because, ah, uh, you know, I, I maybe could get stimulus or something, and that was at the beginning of it. Or, you know, I, 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 I'm scared to go to the workforce. I, I'm just trying to think of people, oh, yeah. it's higher because of this. That is a very, very small percentage, in my opinion. I, I believe most of the people quitting, I've heard plenty of people that have actually found new jobs during this pandemic. I mean, there are jobs out there. And I do see, you know, driving around, you'll, you'll see uh, we are hiring, we are hiring. Um, we know how expensive a billboard is. Uh, there's a company called Robertson. It's a trucking company. 
I'm driving down Miramar Road, and they say, we are hiring, no training necessary, no experience necessary, we are hiring. You see these trucks running around? On the back, we are hiring, we will train. I mean, and those are good paying jobs. I mean, not everybody wants to drive a truck. I think it'd be kind of fun, but, you know. Well, they're good paying jobs, and also, what does that tell you about the economy? Well, trucks moving, you're not oh, going to be you. moving nothing. You're going to be moving something. There, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think they do like construction stuff as well. I might be confusing them with another company, but if they're moving things for construction, people aren't going to be building things just to build things. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. And, and there are some strong parts in the economy, construction. Now, we all know that the hospitality is not doing very well. But, um, and ask my own daughter, your sister. I mean, she's actually looking, because she was in the hospitality industry. She's got a couple of interviews for other jobs and so forth. I think three now. She had three last week, and she has a second interview with one of the companies this week. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's out there. And you can't just... You know, do it one day and say, well, I contacted three people and no answers. you got to do a, a lot, but the jobs are out there. So this is positive. And there are negatives in the economy that we know, but you got to focus on the positives because when it comes to investing, you got to say, well, what should we be investing in, which is why we take your calls here at the Smart Investing Show. Phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 577 Two four seven three. Let's go out to Mission Valley and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Vesture over in Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at Intel. INTC. It's taken a big hit lately. Okay. And uh, just wondering, uh, I own I own some. And I uh, wonder if I should buy, sell. Uh, get your opinion. All right. Well, well let's take a look at uh, Intel here. Are you, are you up in Intel now or down? Where do you stand on the investment uh, I'm part? down right now. Okay. All right. Uh, Intel symbol is INTC. Now, the, you got a great start here. P.E. ratio is 9, well below the industry at 31.1. Price of sales, 2.6 versus 5.3. Price to book value, also extremely good, 4.7 versus 22.5. Then price to cash flow, 5.9 versus 16. So the valuation ratios on Intel right now look very, very strong. You also get a great dividend of 2.7%. They use 24% of their earnings to pay that out. So I would not be surprised over the next year if you saw that dividend actually increase. Uh, we do see that their sales are up, uh, what, uh, year-over-year 12.2%, industry down 0.7%. Uh, earnings per share climbed by 27 Industry down 36, so those are some big positives there for Intel. Their balance sheet, very strong. Current ratio, 2 versus 2.3. And debt to equity is only 47, well below the industry at 74. We do see return to equity is 30 versus 13. That's another big positive. Net profit margin is 29.9 for Intel. That is more than double the industry at 14.4. And receivable turnover is 11.6 versus 6.7. And inventory turnover, the only negative number I've seen here, which is not that bad, 3.8 over the last 12 months. Industry had a turnover of 4.7. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Intel, $48.89. Uh, as you mentioned there, Tim, uh, off the 52-week high is $69.29. Uh, talk a little bit more about that after I look at the, the other numbers here, but there's some more story to it, I guess. 
52-week low for Intel, $43.63. And then if I look forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $4.48. That would give us a target sell price still of $72.58. So I I like the valuations on this company. Now, we know the reason that Intel plummeted after they reported earnings wasn't because of bad earnings or bad sales. They they beat on both the top and bottom line. But the reason they plummeted was they had to delay the 7-nanometer manufacturing process. And that just freaked people out. Mm-hmm. Now, we actually looked at this quite closely. Is If you actually look at AMD, and that, oh, AMD, 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 it's, you know, it's going to take all the business. They've actually been shipping 7 nanometer chips for a year now. But Intel still controlled about 95% of the data center market. Intel has so many great relationships with the companies they supply to. I think that maybe the manufacturing process isn't everything when it comes to who they want for the chips. And, you know, Jason, I've been investing now for 40 years, and I do remember 20 years ago with the, uh, uh, the tech boom and so forth. And AMD and Intel constantly go back and forth. It's over years. It's not over months, over years. And people forget that Intel has, and I forget the exact number, their, their property plant equipment is about $58 billion. So they have all this plant. They can manufacture this and, and a lot of different things. AMD, $700 million. So Intel can weather the storm, and right now they're not hot, but you've got a very good business. They're going to turn things around. Chase point out, what, 95%? Um, don't count out Intel. And this is when you want to buy a company. And I'm not going to say that next week, oh, it's going to be great and so forth. You might have to wait 6, 12, maybe 18 months. But just imagine if Intel goes from, what, 49 up to 60? I mean, that's a 20% return. I, and I heard somebody say, uh, actually on our Facebook, oh, you know, AMD's going to go up another 40%. Possible? But I just don't think so. I mean, so, it's so expensive. Yeah. But. So, so Tim, if you're if you're looking at adding to it, I think now is the time if you're a patient patient investor. By the way, percentage wise, how much does it make up on your portfolio? It's about five percent. Okay. I, at five percent, I would say I, I would have to stay pat there because uh, we generally start with a six percent investment. See, and, and at five percent, I, I would not add to it. Mm-hmm. I would look for something else. So you, you got a good position in it, though. I'd, I'd stay with it for sure. Okay. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Okay, Tim. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Okay. Great. Thank you. Bye. You know, just kind of talking about the uh, the property plant and equipment between AMD and Intel, and the reason it is so skewed is because they actually have different types of processes. AMD just designs chips and outsources the manufacturing, Mm -hmm. where Intel does that in house. Now, the reason I I think this is quite beneficial for Intel is. I don't know if it's a secret, but, you know, there's some concerns over China and there's some concerns over more nationalism in in terms of manufacturing and so forth. Well, I'm concerned is if AMD and these other ones that outsource to uh, Taiwan semiconductors, I'm concerned saying, well, we'd rather use Intel because they're uh, an American company Mm -hmm. that has American manufacturing plants. Yeah. And again, I I don't have the number in front of me, but I I believe Intel also invests about $3 billion a year in R&D. I always say, you're you're investing billions of dollars, you're going to find something. You're going to do something. And actually, the board, I believe, is coming down pretty heavy on the current CEO. Like, you need to get this fixed, or else you're not going to be here much longer. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think the other thing, too, with Intel, I mean, just great company. Uh, They don't just have these data center chips. They're looking towards the future. I mean, they have Mobileye. They're in the cloud, you know, the yep. Internet of Things. I mean, they, they have a lot of other things going for them when they're, they're not just stuck in terms of PC 
chips any longer. Yep, and and I do like uh, the current CEO Bob Swan. I think his name is. He is a CFO by trade. Sometimes, I, and I like the numbers. I'll say that's what we do. But sometimes I think you need a more of a marketing guy. Maybe a CEO is my. <laughs> well, it seems like you need a cloud guy. You know, that's what yeah. Microsoft did. And gosh, look at their stock since then. And they're, oh, Microsoft. And that's the thing. That it's kind of interesting too. Remember Microsoft when what, Steve Ballmer was CEO? Yep. It's like oh my gosh, Microsoft, the old Microsoft. They they don't do anything. And all of a sudden, Shai, uh, Shai Nutella takes over, and wow, he's in the cloud. And wow, Microsoft, largest company in the world for a little bit. I think they're a little bit behind Apple now, just because they pivoted to a, a cloud-based company. And that's why you have to look for strong businesses because Microsoft always was strong fundamentally. That's why they were able to pivot. Uh, all right, uh, phone numbers eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three again. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And Chase, uh, AstraZeneca is that a foreign com- company? I thought it was a. I believe it is. Okay, yeah, because I, I pulled it in here, and it's like you've selected a non-based company. So I want to make sure I got the symbol right. A Z N. Uh, can you check that symbol, Brennan? And see what it is. Okay, he's going. Does that mean you're going to check it? Or does that mean that you? Yeah, okay, he's going to check it. Let, let's go to one of our emails here because I, I, I said I want to cover those as well. Uh, this is from Mark, and he says, listen to your, your broadcast now. Uh, I have an investment question. I'm newly retired and have $100,000 cash in hand. What do you recommend as a high-yield fixed-income investment? I suspect an ETF. What do you think about tickers QYLD and N? L-Y. Thank you for your advice, Mark. Uh, let's kind of talk about what, what we do with, with our income investors, because I don't want to put anybody into like a one thing. And I think N- well, NLY, I believe, is like a, um, and I've seen it before, I think it has a high yield to it. Uh, what we do for our clients when they want to take income is we, uh, you get it, Chase, NLY? NLY? Uh, yeah, that's what he has, NLY. I, yeah, I don't, that's a Annually capital management. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what it is. Okay. And I think they have a high yield dividend. Uh, okay. what, what's their dividend yield? Uh, let me pull it up here. Okay. But, but anyways, what, what we like to do is build a portfolio that's mixed of, you know, we've got some real estate in there. Uh, we've got different, you know, you know uh, businesses in there and so forth. And we have for many years now, well over 20 years now, uh, managed to pay a 6% distribution rate. I tell people it's like a like a uh, chess game. And I can explain how we do it. I don't want to give all, all the other advisors how we do our little secret here, but it works very well. When you manage a portfolio properly, you can take a 6% distribution rate. You've got to be careful what you're doing, but you can do that. And that's the best way to do it. Don't put all your $100,000 just into one investment. Did you find Anley Capital? Yeah, it's a mortgage real estate investment trust. So it's 11.7% dividend, yeah. but uh, you know mortgages are, are kind of scary. Well, the thing people don't realize, and I learned this back uh, back in the 80s, what happens with the mortgages, especially with, with these guys here, is that they hold the mortgages that people on the other side are paying. Well, what's happening right now? A lot of people are refinancing. So what's happening, though, th- those are just going away. And they don't go away at the premium because once somebody refinances, they don't pay that premium. They refinance at that. So that little premium they have because rates went down, that is gone. So you lose two things. You lose the yield, and many times you lose the principal. So I would definitely stay away at this point in time from mortgage funds. What you need to do is set up a good portfolio that has good paying uh, equities. And we have some equities paying 2 3%, uh, even a little bit higher than that. Uh, actually, one of our, our REIT, I think, is paying over 5%. So mm-hmm. you, you, you build that. Uh, I, I lost his name, Mark. Uh, so, Mark, that, that's what you're doing. If you want to know more about that, you can call our office at uh, 858 
858-546-4306. Again, that's 858-546-4306. Or send us an email since you did the first time as well. Yeah, and the other thing I want to point out, yes, about fixed income, just because you're retired, don't think you go into fixed income. Fixed income right now, I mean, gosh, I don't know how you're going to live off 1% from a, a 10-year note, and, and that's generous given interest rates are quite low at yeah. this time. Um, you, you know, So we are very anti-fixed income just because as interest rates rise, bond prices fall. So we don't have any fixed income in the portfolio. We do have uh, some liking to a floating rate fund just because you're not locked into that interest rate. It will move as interest rates move. So that, in our opinion, is an option to consider. But the the fixed income is very, very dangerous. And I think a lot of people don't realize that as interest rates rise, their bond prices fall. So you could actually have a loss in fixed income. Yep. Yep. You got to be careful with that. So I'm having trouble pulling up uh, AstraZeneca. Are you able to pull up there, Chase? Let me try one more time here. I I see it's a... Oh, here we go. I got got something here. Um, Not what I wanted, but I can still work with some numbers here. All right. So let's go out to La Jolla and and speak with Greg. Greg, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good, Good morning, Brent. Good morning, Chase. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it, and I've been uh, looking at some of the other uh, manufacturers of the vaccine, and I was just curious how things are working. Uh, you know, d- does that look like something good to invest in? I don't hold it, but I was just curious what your opinion was. Okay. And, and I don't know if you follow us on social media, but we did a great post yesterday on all the different ones that are looking at the uh, the cure for COVID-19 and so forth. So you want to kind of read that because uh, okay. it does kind of help you a little bit more about trying to focus on one company. But we'll take a look at Astra. Venica, Zeneca uh, PLC. It is in uh, England. Uh, symbol oh. AZN. Uh, not a great start. PE ratio is 66.9. We've got a price to sales of 5.6. That's expensive. No price of tangible book value, which means if you take out the intangible assets, no value to the company. And price of cash flow is 24.6, uh, which is also rather high. Now, you do get a decent dividend, 2.6%. However, uh, just notice this. They use 100 and 14% their earnings to pay that out. That's unsustainable. Oh. Yeah, you can't keep paying out more than you're bringing in. So that's a problem. Uh, we yeah. do see sales are up 11.4% year over year. Earnings per share down 5%. And oh my gosh, the balance sheet, not a good balance sheet here. Current ratio, 0.8. Uh, that's okay. Risky, but okay. What I don't like is debt to equity, 161%. That's very high. Return on equity is 167 That's good. Net profit margin is 8%. And receivable turnover is 5 Inventory turnover, 1.5. Just not really liking some of these numbers here. Chase, what do you see going forward? Yeah, so if I look at the current price here for uh, AstraZeneca, it's $109.66. Uh, 52-week high, $132. And forty-one cents, and fifty-two week low seventy-six dollars and eighty-two cents. Now, if you look out to December two thousand twenty-one, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis three dollars and forty-three cents would give us a target sell price of fifty-five dollars and fifty-seven cents. So it looks like Greg, it's right in that that COVID vaccine wave. But but we do have our our caution when it comes to these companies with regard to the COVID vaccine. Yeah, and you got to remember too that you know, say they don't get it, that Pfizer gets it, or Moderna gets it, or one of those companies, and and uh, Astra, AstraZeneca doesn't get it. Now they get all this debt, and they've got nothing. Mm. So that that's yeah. why I, I, I get very worried, and, and always look at the negative side. And I'll let you know when we're looking at buying companies, we look at what could go wrong or the problems. Even though it may not happen, we'll stay away from it. We want to find companies that don't have any potential problems, so you'll be okay. And this one, I just can't get comfortable with. Yeah. 
I understand. Well, I thank you for your analysis, and I'll take a look at that, the uh, report you put online. Oh, sounds good. Greg, have a good one. Yes, sir. You too. Bye for now. All right. Bye-bye. And I, I was just going to – I'm not going to bring up the full report we did on the Facebook, but the, the idea is that they have – U.S. government has contracts with I think it's like five, six different – biotech companies for the vaccine. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we have a contract to buy 100 million doses. AstraZeneca, they have 300 million doses. Another company, they have 200 million doses. Another company, they have 100 million doses. Do you know how many people are in the United States? 376 million. Wait, I, mean, I, I think it's 331 million. Oh, it's yeah. 300, excuse me, 328 as of 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the point is, they have more than enough vaccines in contract, so it's going to come down to whoever actually produces, in my opinion, the best vaccine. Right. And there might be two or three, but if they all produce great vaccines, let's say, well, now they're going to have to share the revenue between five, six different companies. <laughs> so, I, I mean, this, I don't see it being a big catalyst, especially for the long-term growth, because once a company, let, let's say a company like Novavax, once they get the vaccine, they didn't really have anything before covid Right. And they had some stuff in the pipeline, I'm sure. But if that doesn't come to fruition, this company, all they had was a one-hit wonder, I'll call it, with the COVID. And now they have no sales to justify that multiple any longer. Right. And, and one thing, too, is that you cannot swing for the fences. And, and people say, well, I'm younger. I can take that risk and so forth. Uh, that's a whole different topic. But but just don't do that. Because, again, you've got maybe, what, one out of ten chance. That's only even a 10% possibility, maybe 20% if they actually take a couple companies. It's just not worth it because if you invest in, you lose 30 40 50%. It's just not worth it. Find the good quality companies that are going to weather the storm here for you. Call me old school, but I'd rather buy an Intel that, that's uh, been around, established, nice right. dividend, good company. But, you know, that that's where I would rather put my money than taking a chance on a, a company like this. And, and, Chase, I've been doing this now for over 40 years, and I cannot tell you the number of people that I've come across over this 40-year time frame where they said, yeah, I, I lost all my money on this, and now I'm trying to make it up um, because they did – Poor investments. If you just buy the Intels of the world and and be patient with them, you can average eight, ten, twelve percent per year. But you got to be patient. You can't swing for the fences and say this is going to be the next company that's have COVID nineteen, or this is going to be the next next Microsoft, next Apple, or or uh, what's that uh, Nikola that the, the truck? <laughs> you can't go for those. And again, it's exciting, it's fun. And people say, guy, what you guys kind of do is kind of boring. I say, you know what? If making money is boring, I'm okay being boring. Yeah, and it, the big thing is you want to gamble and you go in with that attitude. It, it's not investing in the stock market if that's what you're doing. That That's not what you're doing. That is pure gambling. That's pure ske- right. <clears throat> speculation. The problem I get so f- frustrated with people is, is like, oh, like, now stocks are so risky. Like, I just can't do them anymore. That's why I get so negative on these companies and people say, oh, well, like, I just want to take a chance here. Well, as long as you go in with that attitude that, yeah, yeah I'm going to Las Vegas, basically, and I'm gambling on it, that's fine with me. But do not correlate that to investing because that is not the the same thing and you're going to jeopardize your future because now you're going to correlate that as investing you're not going to want to invest properly ever again because you're scared of stocks yeah that's and, the and big then, issue and then you get scared of the right thing and yeah. I, i've seen too many people in my career that are in their 40s and 50s that have very little investments because they, they took too much of a risk and had they invested wisely in their early 20s they would have a very very nice portfolio so chase i, I keep looking at your shirt there and, and we're on facebook we're also on instagram uh, i think you just kind of turn to the cameras and just <laughs> show you that the foundation that you run for 
for uh, Fighters Fight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you do take donations for it and stuff. And yeah. what's a website for that? Tom? Oh, it's just fightersfightfoundation.com. So, uh, yeah, we just, just started this year. So, uh, Breast Cancer Foundation. Uh, my aunt passed away at the beginning of the year due to breast cancer. So, uh, my family and I started a, a foundation. A couple of friends got involved as well and uh, looking to give back to, to women going through breast cancer and obviously having my aunt go through it. Uh, having you know that tie to family and so forth, we realized that family is so important. So wanted to make sure people know they don't fight alone, and you have your family to fight with you. So we, we give experiences to those women going through breast cancer. With COVID, been a little bit more difficult. But what we're going to do is probably start giving meals and dinners away to those those families and those women, so that they can just kind of take their mind off the difficult time of breast cancer and actually focus on what's important is your family. So and also those T-shirts, they they are for sale on your website as well, and they're good quality T-shirts. I t- like I want to touch it again. Yeah. It's, it's a good weird. shirt, and they're got to be careful. They're not for sale, but you get a free T-shirt yes. with a donation of thirty dollars. So, uh, what's the donation? Thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. Yeah. Yep. So, and what's the website address? FightersFightFoundation.com. That's easy to remember. Yep. All right. Phone numbers here: eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Again, that's eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Stan. Stan, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? I'd like to know about the Universal Display Corporation, as similar as OLED. Okay, and Stan, do you hold? Do you hold that? Do you hold that? Looking to buy it there, Stan. I have, I have a few shares, and I got it about thirty years ago. How, three years ago, you said. 30. 30. Okay. I guess you're definitely a long-term investor. I, I, I presume you're up in it now. Is that correct? Yes, it's up now. Yeah. I just uh, wondered about the future of it and all the, the numbers of it. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the Universal Display Corporation symbol, OLED. Not a great start here, Stan. I mean, P.E. ratio is 86.9, well above the high uh, P.E. industry of 31.1. Price to sales, also expensive, 23.9 versus 5.3. Price to tangible book value, 12. That is good because the industry is at 22.5. And these are valuation ratios. You do want them lower. But unfortunately, price to cash flow comes in at 64, well above the industry at 16.1. Now, they pay a very small dividend. I'm not sure why they do it, but it's only 0.3%. But what's disturbing is they use 23% of their earnings to pay that small dividend. We do see sales are up 4.5% year over year. The industry was down 0.7. We do see earnings per share fell by 11.7%, but the whole industry was down 36.7. Now, one thing good about uh, this company here uh, is that they do have a very strong balance sheet. They got a current ratio of 5.1 versus 2.3. And I'm going to point out a quick ratio, which is really liquid money. That's 4.6, and that's pretty high. You almost have to wonder, wait a minute, can't you find something better with this cash that you have as opposed to let it sit there in you know, 0.1, 0.2%? Perhaps they're looking at buying a building or something. But if you own this company, you do want to find out why do they have so much in cash. That is a concern. Nice thing, debt to equity is zero versus 73 for the industry. Uh, return on equity is 12.8, just about the same as the industry at 13.8. Net profit margin checks in at 27.7, almost double the industry at 14.4. And receivable turnover looks okay, 5.5 versus 6.7. Inventory turnover could be a problem here, 1.1 versus 4.7. But I think this almost sounds like a media company. Did you get a chance to look it up, Chase, to see what the... I didn't look it up yet, no. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, current price for OLED is the ticker symbol OLED, Universal.
Special Display Corp. That's $187.53, 52-week high, $230.32, and that 52-week low, $105.11. Now, Stan, I have a concern here because I look out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $4.17. That gives us a target sell price of $67.55. So this company looks to be growing quite nicely in terms of its earnings as this year they're estimated to make 257 going up to 417 that's a nice increase it's just very very expensive and that we don't like to invest in that growth type situation we like the value and i do see that they're in integrated circuits as their industry uh you know so that they're not a media uh so i'm kind of wondering well why is the inventory turnover so low for the last 12 months at 1.1 versus 4.7 so um what did you say the target sell price was again, Chase? Sixty-seven. And what's the price now? One hundred and eighty-seven. Oh, <laughs> okay. No, no, no more. No more reason to talk more on that. Uh, uh, Stan, I'm, I'm glad you done well with it, but again, it's pretty pricey. I, I think if if you came to us and you wanted us to manage your money, we would say yes. We need to sell uh, this company here. Already. Okay. Thanks for calling, Stan. Thank Bye. you. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven. 2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you and us, Marvest, Showbrun Chase. How can we help you out? Yeah, you guys, tell you what, just kind of looking at Edison International, the, the stock has some price targets at around 70, pays a decent dividend, and as you were saying, time deposits in this world are miserable at best. So I'm um, just kind of looking for a a safe dividend stock with uh, some potential for growth. Okay. Well, let's take a look at uh, Edison International. Symbol is EIX. Uh, we do see the P.E. ratio. Good start here, uh, John. It's uh, 17, about half the industry at 33.8. Price to sales, 1.6 versus 2.3. Price to book value, 1.2, half the industry at 2.4. And price to cash flow, 6.5 versus 8.5. So the valuation ratios do look very good. We do see a dividend yield here of 4.8%. They do use... 82% of their, of their earnings to pay that out, but I'm okay with that. Uh, we do see sales, unfortunately, down 3.3%, but the whole industry was down one4 Earnings per share climbed by 454%. Industry up 62%, but you do have to ask yourself a question. How can you grow earnings at 454% if your sales are down? Could be some other accounting thing used there, so make sure you understand the earnings, uh, that there are good quality earnings. We do see a current ratio 0.8, above the industry at 0.66. Debt to equity 126 versus 143. At 126, I'm okay with it. I, I'm very cautious. I want to make sure they have cash flow. I want to see if that debt is going to be paid down. I do see most of it is long-term debt, which means they've locked in lower interest rates. But I do like to see a plan that maybe they're going to reduce that debt somewhat. Uh, return on equity is 8.9, above the interest at 5.7. We do like debt, to, uh, I'm sorry, return on equity more around a 14.15. Net profit margin, 9.9 versus 6.9. Receivable turnover, very good, a 14.4, double the interest at 7. And inventory turnover, 22 versus 3.7. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Edison International, $52.69. 52-week high, $78.93. And the 52-week low is $43.63. Now I go out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $4.29. Would give us a nice target sell price of $69.50. So, I mean, I, I like the dividend. I like the, the target mm-hmm. sell price. A little concern over the debt to equity. And, and the other thing 
that concerns me is it being a utility in California. After seeing PG&E, right. what is the fire liability for this company? I know that they've had some problems, and we read an article on PG&E that kind of highlighted Edison and some of its fire liability. I would really, really want to understand that. I, we didn't look into it any closer because the debt was a little bit high for us, but if you are heavily considering this, I would really want to understand what's going on with the fire liability and what could potentially hurt them and add more debt. And you know, one thing they might be able to do, Chase, is at the 10Q or the 10K, maybe see if they have uh, insurance uh, on fires to see if they if they are kind of covered for that. Because, again, I just heard we had fires last week, I think it was. Um, that is a concern because PG&E got, got all the liability and it cost them, what was that, $40 billion, $50 billion, something it terrible. Lot. It has a lot. So that's one thing, because I, I, I like everything about this company. But I do worry now about what is their liability. And before, I don't think it was ever a problem. But now it seems like no one's to blame anymore except for the big businesses. So I, I, I would want to know if they have some protection on the insurance side there, John, uh, if that were mm-hmm. to happen. Because you'd hate to get it and all of a sudden there's a – and where are they located? Uh, are they in Northern, Southern California? Southern California, yeah. So we are in fire season. So you'd hate to have that happen to them as well. So that's, that's my only suggestion. All righty? Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, guys. Hi, right, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And, Chase, we've got another request here on a company from uh, Michael. He said, could you look at a stock, Nextar Communication, NXST. And again, if you want to send us a, a question, so you want to have us answer on air, we do try to get to them. Uh, go to our, our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com and submit the question. And you can ask anything. You can ask about the companies. Maybe you have, like somebody asked about what to do with cash. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're new to investing. So these are things that we'll kind of take a look at for you. And if you just want to send us the question as opposed to come on air we can do that again at our website all right so this looks like it's um media general well why that's not what i got what did you get chase yeah for some reason sometimes reuters does this where (laughs) unfortunately we got a difficult one and not prepared for it but um the ticker symbol is nxst and it's next our media group Uh, i was able to pull it up but i had to search a different way how'd you search so if you search company name next star you scroll all the way to the bottom you'll get it there all righty. Uh, maybe we should start with the uh, earnings first. You want to kind of reverse it around? or? Uh? Um, yeah, I was going to say I can do the fundamentals or I can just do the uh, earnings. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll start there then. So for Nexstar Media Group, uh, current price here, $91.90. 52-week high, $133.25. So it's pulled back from that. But wow, well off that 52-week low of $43.37 as well. Now if I go out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis of $11.53. So if I take that $11.53 and multiply it by our 16.2 multiple, I would get a nice target sell price here of $186.79. So, I mean, wow, that's a, about that's a, a big. doubling yeah. in that current price. I mean, that is phenomenal. Um, and also, wow, I, I, I need to understand this. The earnings per share in 2018, $8.21. $2019, $4.80. And then this year, it's estimated to be $12.84. The next year, $11.53. Then the following year, nineteen seventy one. <laughs> I mean, the earnings are all over the place wow. with this company. Where is the, the consistency with it is, is one reason why the, the multiple might be so low. 
Right. And, and, and while I'm looking at these other fundamentals here, maybe kind of look a little more detail what the company does, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. All right. Uh, looking at the, the other side here, the fundamentals, uh, we've got a P.E. ratio of 12, half the industry 24, so that's a positive. And again, we're talking about uh, Nexstar Media Group, uh, symbol, well, NXST. Uh, we do see that price to sales, 1.1 versus 2.2. That is positive. Uh, price to book value, not material, but that's the same as the industry. And then price to cash flow is 4.6. Very good compared to the industry at 10.8. Now, they do pay a dividend of 2.4%, which is pretty attractive when you compare that to the 10-year treasury at about 0. 0.6.7. A 2.4% yield is pretty good, especially when Nextel only uses 25% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, sales were up 36.3, well above the initial 3.7. Unfortunately, this first bad thing I've seen is that earnings per share fell by 3.2%, but the whole industry is having problems. The industry was down 61.2. Oh, Don, the balance sheet, not very good. You got a current ratio 1.9 versus 1.3. That is good. When I look at the debt to equity, though, 369% versus 124. That makes me very uncomfortable. worries me. Could require more research. Maybe they do financing or something else. Uh, Chase, look at the company side and see more on that, uh, what they actually do. Uh, return on equity does look good, though. 17.7 versus 10.6. Net profit margin is 9.7, above the industry slightly at 9.01. And receivable return is 5.8 versus 7.2. Well, Chase, I came across a problem with the debt to equity, depending what the company do. We, we, we have seen like car companies and their debt to equity is higher because they can't carry financing and so forth. What you find out about the company? Yeah, so this company actually is a television, broadcasting, and digital media company. So uh, they are focused on the acquisition, development, and operation of television stations and interactive community websites. So like one of their competitors is Tegna. And ah. Tegna, uh, for those that don't know, recently purchased, what is that, gosh, two years ago now? Uh, yeah, probably about three yeah, years. Yeah, uh, purchased, what, KFMB. Everybody. So, I mean, they seem to be in that same business. Um, I don't know. I know, oh no, Tribune, I believe, owns Fox 5. So, I, I was trying mm-hmm. to think if we had any Next Star stations down here, but I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Might be worth some research. But that's what they do is they go in and it sounds like they own and operate those TV stations. I wonder if they're buying the real estate, if that might have something to do with the debt to equity. Just just a, a guess here. And remember, we actually looked at buying one of the stations here in, in our firm, and we realized how expensive. Expensive, and what was really important was the signal, the antenna uh, that gets that signal out there. So that's another thing you want to do because we didn't do it because the company wanted to buy it from. They didn't want to sell us that. They wanted to lease it. Like, no, no, that's that's the value there. So kind of like Nextel, I don't like all the debt because, you know, things don't go well, especially media right now. So competitive. You've got so many different avenues to go to to watch something. To get that far in debt, I think it could be a problem because if you can't pay your bills, guess what? You're going to lose everything. Or what about cord cutting? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I I don't really watch the news all too often. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, it's kind of some uh, some of a concern there is are, are we going to see people shift more towards it? You know, I, I'm not saying I advocate this, but advertising more on Facebook and Instagram and those platforms and less on TV. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Or advertising more on the Hulus and, you know, the uh, Disney Plus, I don't believe, has any advertisements yet. But I know uh, that Hulu does. Are people going to advertise more there than TV? So it, it's something that you kind of have to think about what is the future of advertising because that's how these TV stations make their money. And, and you really got to understand what they're doing and, and wh- what they're borrowing and so forth because I, I don't think there's any financing and deal in that. So I think that is really true debt that they have and, and, and that – 
that stuff like that worries me. And I, I've seen, gosh, uh, again, doing this for 40 years, I, I've seen, uh, people don't remember this, but AT&T back in the 90s, Michael Armstrong, never forgot the name. He had did a lot of acquisitions and so forth. He ended up selling them because AT&T got in some major problems. They couldn't afford them. They weren't doing well. And he sold them for... I don't say pennies on the dollar, but he did not get what he paid for him. So you got to be careful of these businesses that look like they're doing something really phenomenal, and they're just taking out a ton of debt, and then it hurts them down the road. And it may be two, three, four, five years, but that's not how you want to invest. Yeah. So, all right, phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And a secret all lines are open. I don't have that scrolled down, so, so I'm not looking at line four or five. I'm looking at line one or two. Uh, all lines are open. Uh, so give us a call, 866-577-2473, and that gets you through, as always, for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Let's talk about uh, are we coming out of a recession or uh, are we in a recession? And, and, and this is kind of confusing. And, and, and I, I've talked about the true definition of a recession as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. That's kind of changed. Actually, in our comment on, on social media, somebody did say, well, that's the, the true definition. It is, but right now, because I think of the major decline we had, yes, this is a recession that we're in. Yeah, I mean, we're... we're I'd say we're coming out of the recession. It's such a weird thing because, gosh, you know, 2008, 2009, I mean, that, that was, I don't want to say a more normal recession because <laughs> that, that was also pretty crazy, but that was a long-lasting recession. This was just such a man-made force, a government-made force that led us to a recession. And because we were able to, I think, implement some good stimulus and, and get us through, I think that's why we're turning around so quickly. I mean, we could have a recession that literally lasted Two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and you know what's funny is that uh, again going through the two thousand eight two thousand nine recession, uh, I remember Ben Bernanke and, and some of the other uh, uh, not Paul Volcker I forget the uh, c- couple of the names there. Uh, they moved rather slowly, and I say slowly because they they talked about things, they talked about things, they didn't really do any stimulus package. I want to say and this is a guess six to nine months down the road, so it took a long time. In the meantime, you know, the economy's bleeding. This one here, I don't know the dates, but I want to say it was weeks, maybe even two weeks, and all of a sudden, bam, we got. Uh, what was the first stimulus package? Was it three trillion? Three trillion dollars, and that hit to kind of carry us through. So that's why this recession has been very uh, short, uh, and I do believe we're coming out of it. Uh, so we will see what happens. And and, and I, I said it before, and talk about the retail sales. We could see a slowdown because the stimulus package is not. We knew the $600 per week, which we think it should be less than that, but we do need something, and I think we could hopefully see something in September, but I don't think we'll see anything in August. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. I'm just interested to see what that does to the job market if, if more people go back to work because the stimulus isn't an option anymore. So it, it's it's something to keep an eye on um, over the next few weeks to see how much we really do need a stimulus and how much should we actually give in that boosted unemployment? So I, I'm very interested to see what happens. I, I hope that it, we can get through this and, and people can find work. As you said, there are job openings. So, you know, if you are unemployed, <laughs> there are job openings out there. They're, they're not as easy to find. There's more competition because more right. people are unemployed, but they're out there. 
Yep. And, and also, too, one thing that we did notice, the uh, jobless claims are actually down a lot this past week. So mm-hmm. it, it is kind of interesting to see. You're right. I mean, what's going to happen? And, and I would like to see more people come to the job market. Uh, there'll be some people, unfortunately, going to suffer that they just can't get that job. But it could get some people off the couch where they're saying, well, I should go back to work. I get $600 a week. And now they kind of have to. So it could be a big positive for our job market. And I'm sorry, the, the truth of the matter is, as well, is people also need to take some accountability. This should be a big wake-up call for people that you need three to six months in emergency savings. You should have some type of liquid assets that you can get through difficult periods. The government is not and should not be there to bail people out all the time. You need to also take some self-accountability, and you should have three to six months of those non-discretionary expenses. And I'm sorry, if you're unemployed, you should not be going out and buying a new iPhone, be traveling and doing all these different things if you can't afford it. You should be looking for a job and and so forth. So, you know, the big thing with personal finance that that I want to point out here is establish an emergency (laughs) fund. That's what people should learn from this. Or a plan how to get money. And actually, uh, Chase, tomorrow my regular segment on KOSI, it's uh, like at 840. I'm actually talking about how to take money out from your investments. If you're in a difficult time, how do you do it? Because it's not just, oh, go just take it from anywhere. No, it's a plan that you have to come up with. I'm talking about that tomorrow at 840 on KOSI. Uh, You you have your Fox uh, on this Wednesday. Day as well. Do you have a topic yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Phone numbers uh, 866 577 2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're in the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, I was wondering, A, if you could explain what a covered call is, because I was looking at a monthly dividend stock. The ticker is GLDI, mm-hmm. and they have a covered call on gold, and it returns a monthly dividend. That's why I was interested in the company. Uh, oh, so the symbol is GLDI? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I think we had down PDLI. So G, G. Oh, shoot. Well, that's not going to come up in Reuters because it's a covered call option. So, Oh, okay. I'm that's sorry. It's a covered okay. call okay. on okay. gold. Okay. So, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was kind of looking at the symbol there. Um, what, what a covered call is is it's when you actually own the underlying position. So you you hold it. Uh, if, if it is taken away, you actually have it. Now, the, the benefit of that is your risk is limited because if it is called away, you own it and it's gone, as opposed to a naked call. You could have to step into the market, and perhaps that went way up or way down. You could have to spend a lot of money to get that. So a covered call just simply means you own the position. Yeah, and it is interesting. It's you said it's, it's anything? well. You said it's a covered call, and it pays you a dividend as well. There, Tim. Yes, yeah, so it's a covered call on gold, and it pays a dividend. I also own some of their silver covered covered call. And their base company is ticker symbol CS. It's Credit Suisse, and they're a, a Swiss banking account, yeah. like a banking firm. I, I don't think the covered call pays the dividends. Perhaps what happens is that the underlying position pays a dividend. But I, I've never seen a because an so option. They, they cut me a monthly dividend. Like I have them in my Robinhood trading account, and they give me a month. It ranges from about six cents all the way up to twenty five cents, and it's about ten dollars a share right now. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Tim, this is something that it looks like a financial product. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. a covered. It's not a true covered call option. It's it's it seems like some type of financial product that Chris Weiss bundles and then sells. Um, It's to be quite frank, something that concerns me because I'm not 
true understanding of what it is just yet without looking closely at it. But I mean, it, I always bring it back to, you know, the, the bundling of the mortgages that, that caused the, the mm-hmm. big fall back in the financial crisis. If people didn't know what that was and all of a sudden it blew up and people, oh, you, you know, you're getting income from those those bundled, bundled mortgages and so forth. And then all of a sudden didn't really understand the underlying investments. So that, that's something I would definitely I'm not saying yes or no on it just yet, but something you got to understand is what is in this basket of, of the product that Credit Suisse is offering. And, and Tim, you want to be very careful with Wall Street because they're great at coming out with products that they make money on and they sound pretty good. And then the investor ends up holding the the, the, the bag that that's empty. And then, and another one came to mind when you're talking about that. There's a thing called SPACs. I just uh, we're going to write a piece about that this coming week here. So um, I, I'm glad you're calling about it. This is something new. And again, I think Chase is right. It's some type of financial product because a option never pays a dividend. There's something that they're doing that's being very creative, and I think you said um, Credit Suisse is doing it. Uh, these financial companies, these big firms, they're great at coming up with products that they make money off of, and unfortunately, sooner or later, the investor <laughs> does make money on them. So I'd be very careful with it. Um, you, you know what you could do if you want? Uh, we'll, we'll give you our website address. Maybe send it to us. I am curious. We'll look a little bit more uh, in our office for you. Uh, our, our website address is Smart Investing. 2000.com. Just send us what you have because I am curious what they came out with. Alrighty? Yeah, I, I definitely will because like I said, I've been looking at it. I'm, I like the monthly dividend on it, but I really don't know what it is. It's my, it's on my side little trading account, which I call like my gambling account because I have the safe stuff. You know, I'm a teacher packed away for retirement, mm-hmm. TSA, stuff like that. So this is kind of just fun money. And I saw it interesting and I figured with inflation coming, you know, it might be a good place to put some money because the price of gold will go up. Yeah, well, well you kind of stumped us here, so we're going to take a look at it. We'll, we'll, and actually, for all the listeners, we'll share it again next week. If you send it to us, we'll we'll take a look at it and, and see what it is. All right? I definitely will shoot you an email. Have a great week, guys. You too, Tim. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Gosh, I was going to go to another call, but we only got about three minutes left. You, I always hate doing that because I don't like to rush people, you know? Well, especially uh, Mike, I see in Orange County wants to talk about AT&T. I, I, I do want to talk about AT&T, and I feel like three minutes wouldn't be enough time. So, Mike, if you could call back next week, I'd love to talk in more detail about AT&T. Yeah, because yeah, it is a great one we want to talk about. So, um, And then, then I did want to talk about... Did you I was going to say, I, I know you got your list there. I was going to jump around to a different one. I sure. mean, we uh, was uh, Tesla. And uh, people oh, listen to the yeah, show, no, I love Tesla. Yeah. So, I mean, it is just absurd what happened. Yes. You know, Tesla, oh, yeah, we're going to do a, I think, five-for-one stock split. Was it five or four? I, I think Apple was four-for-one. I, I believe Tesla was five-for-one. Okay. I, I don't. It, it could be four-for-one, but I, I, I think you're right. I think Tesla was five-for-one, yeah. The stock was up 20% in two days based <laughs> off of a stock split news. I couldn't find anything else that would really drive that stock price up. It, it, it It's ludicrous. I mean, this is reminds us so much of the tech boom and then the bust because a stock split does what for the company? It does absolutely nothing because what happens if it's going to split five for one, everything else splits five for one, the earnings, the sales, and everything. And this just shows the craziness of the hype like we had back in a tech boom and bust that people just like, wow, this is great. And it's not great. And what's funny now is that back then it used to make a little more sense because, well, there were commissions on the product. So, okay, so now I can buy 100 shares for less. Well, now you can buy one share. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's just – makes no sense and i mean i I, again kind of as i talked about earlier in the show people are going to be doing these crazy things and they're going to get burned and then 10 years down the road they're going to blame the stock market for being too risky even though they just bought tesla because they did a stock split 
And let's think about this. So that means Tesla is now 20% more valuable <laughs> after announcing a stock split. That created no actual fundamental value for the company. It is purely financial arbitrage, almost, I want to call it, you know, where they just created a stock split and then it reduced the share price. Oh, wow, I'm getting a great deal on this stock now. I I think, and what I think it is, is I think it's a lot of the bigger firms buying it now, knowing that when it drops, there's going to be all those younger traders going in and buying it. That could be. I had some comments on that. Oh, sorry. uh, You you were fired up, so, okay. (laughs) That's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If I discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. Closing song, My Way, performed by entertainer, local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.